I think mobility is such a big part of just living your life. And there's so many ways to make mobility easier, more efficient, to help everyone just function a little bit better. Hello and welcome to Connecting ALS. I am your host, Jeremy Holden. When we talk about making ALS livable, we are talking, in addition to enabling people to live longer lives, about improved quality of life, about empowering people with ALS to live their lives as they want. That means, in part, preventing harms associated with the disease. With that in mind, we turn our attention this week to managing the mobility challenges currently inherent in ALS. Every person living with ALS will face mobility challenges at some point in their disease journey as they lose motor functions. So while we continue to search for treatments and a cure, helping people with ALS manage those challenges is key to making ALS a livable disease. The ALS Association recently launched a series of videos to introduce and explain strategies to help maintain independence and to remain safe throughout progression of the disease. This week, I had the opportunity to talk to a member of the team who helped bring those videos to life, Dr. Shannon Terrell, a physical therapist who has worked with ALS patients in a multidisciplinary clinic setting and who previously appeared on Connecting ALS to talk about the role of physical therapy in the multidisciplinary care team. Let's hear from Dr. Terrell now. Well, Dr. Terrell, thanks so much and and welcome back to Connecting ALS. Thank you for having me. Very excited to have you. Um, and we're going to get into some uh, work that you've been doing, uh, collaborating with the association uh, in a moment. But for folks who are maybe new to the podcast or who may have missed your earlier appearance on the show, can you talk a little bit about uh, the work that you've done with the ALS community in your professional capacity? Of course. So I've been involved with a multidisciplinary clinic and I have the luxury of working with other highly skilled clinicians that really know and understand this disease and how to best provide care and support along this journey and to walk with these patients as they're you know, moving through this disease. And so I, I am able to work with pulmonology, respiratory technician, a neurologist, a few neurologists, in fact. I also work with an occupational therapist. I am a physical therapist, so we work very closely together and we have very kind of similar layering effect in the work that we do. I also work with a dietitian and a speech and language pathologist. And I'm probably forgetting someone along the way here, Deb. Oh, also I'm working with a social worker. And so the the beauty of this multidisciplinary clinic, uh, which I highly recommend for those with this disease, uh, you know, is that you get this kind of customized care for all of the needs that you may have as time goes on. Yeah, and I think for any listeners who missed some of our discussions in January around the uh, value and the benefit of the multidisciplinary system, please go back and check out those episodes. Dr. Terrell, uh, you recently partnered with the ALS Association. I alluded to this a moment ago, but worked with us on a series of videos exploring mobility challenges. Uh, I'm curious, why did you think it was important to be part of this series? I think mobility is such a big part of just living your life, getting from A to B, being able to accomplish your activities of daily living or ADLs, as we say in short. And there's so many ways to make mobility easier, more efficient, less energy expenditure, safer to prevent falls and things like that. And so 
covering mobility is just such a huge piece of what I do with my work in this clinic and elsewhere. And there's just so many options out there, so many different tools and pieces of equipment to help everyone just function a little bit better. You know, one of the things that we hear often on the show with people that we talk to is this idea that no one person's journey through ALS is the same. It takes different paths. And so what challenges does that create as you think about ways to help people anticipate their mobility challenges and how to address them in a proactive way? You know, it's a really interesting conundrum, the fact that this disease never manifests the same way you know, more than once. I think there's a lot of similarities as you work with more and more of these individuals and you gain a lot of experience in how to be creative and how to tackle each of these different challenges. And it's not just the way that the disease is manifesting. It's also in the type of a home that the person is living in. It depends on their hobbies and their activities. Are they still going to work? You know, do they have grandkids that they want to be spending time with and doing certain things. And so it does really take a lot of sort of problem solving and and brainstorming and creativity to come up with a way to tackle each of these issues and, and provide some potential solutions. But luckily, again, with the experience with working with lots of these individuals, you start to see some patterns and you, you come up with ideas that, oh, you know what, I remember this worked before. Let's try this idea again. You talked about hobbies and some of those things that we all do that that make up our life. I'm curious what kinds of conversations you have with patients around, I want to keep doing some of these things. How can I make that happen? Right. You know, I think one of the ways that I talk about this with people is I always make it very clear that you don't have to do anything. It's totally up to you and your quality of life and whatever makes you happy that that's what you do. And if you've always trained dogs, for instance, and that's becoming too much of a hardship and it doesn't bring you all that much joy, well, then let's use your energy on something else. But if that's something that really is a part of who you are, let's find a way to make that happen. There's a lot of different ways to kind of bridge that gap between your mobility challenges and the activity that you'd like to accomplish. Hearing you talk about that, I think about the ALS Association's commitment to making ALS a livable disease. And part of that is allowing people to kind of live life on their own terms. And it strikes me that, you know, defining what brings value to you as an individual becomes an important part of that conversation. Another part of that is reducing harms. And you talked about this a little bit uh, earlier, but what are some things that people living with ALS can do to plan for the mobility challenges associated with the disease so that they can minimize some of those harms? There's so many different ways to be prepared. And I think sometimes there's a bit of a mental block because this is, let's be honest, this is just a really tough disease to process even on an everyday basis and and to adapt to these changes. But I think the big beauty of it and something that's really important to remember is that you've got people that are very well-versed in how to help you manage this and to come up with solutions even for you. And so it doesn't need to be as overwhelming as it oftentimes feels And just know that if there's a problem, you've got five or six different people that are there to help come up with answers for you. And so there's all types of tools. So there's grab bars and there's 
AFOs or ankle braces. It's called an ankle foot arthrosis that helps prevent foot drop. Um, if that's something that's tripping you up, there's walkers, there's canes, there's different kinds of walkers. There's a two-wheeled walker, there's a four-wheeled walker. There's walkers that have no wheels that are very stable. There's also transfer chairs. So it's a combo portable, um, stowable wheelchair that has walker handles on it as well. There's power chairs, there's scooters, there's custom power chairs, there's portable power chairs that you can travel on an airplane with and stow it away. There's just so many different options um, and so many ways to make sure that we keep your mobility on a day-to-day basis safe because ultimately we want you to live your life to the fullest. We want you to do the things you want to do. We want you to save energy doing it so you can have enough energy for all the things that you want to do. And another important factor here is to make sure that you're safe and don't have a fall because falls can cause so many secondary issues that we want to just try to be thinking ahead with this. And if you're starting to notice a little bit of weakness in that ankle and you're having to kind of lift that knee up higher to clear that foot, it's time to start talking with your physical therapist or other provider to help get you set up with one of those ankle braces, or at least talk through what some options are. Talk to me a little bit about what those conversations look like when somebody is coming in and saying, to your point, it's now becoming a struggle to elevate my leg to a certain threshold. What's the next step? That can't be an easy conversation to have. You're right. You know, it's a tough conversation. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily offer this information right up front. And so that's why we actually objectively look at the way that people are walking and and we make kind of more objective based recommendations. And I think that that sometimes can hold more weight when you have a clinician that's skilled in this and has an expertise here that they say, you know, when I'm seeing this kind of a gait deviation, that indicates you may benefit from this or this or this. And here are the reasons why. But I think also, you know, in the beginning of our clinic, when we walk in and we're talking with the patient, we do ask them, you know, what kinds of trouble have you been having? Have you had any falls since our last clinic? Are any movements during the day getting tough or um, needing a little bit of adaptation to make easier, safer, things like that? And you give them the floor to be able to share these concerns with you, but it can be very helpful to watch them moving as well. You mentioned the benefit of having a skilled clinician, and we have the benefit of being able to talk to one today. What have you seen in your time in the field? How is this changing? What's different today from when you first entered the field in terms of helping folks manage some of their mobility challenges? I think nowadays we have a lot better access to good products, good equipment, and it's much easier to get these pieces of equipment quickly, you know, so in the past you would have to go through a medical supply company. You may have to go physically to that store, or you have to order something that takes weeks and weeks to be able to come to you. And probably just a a smaller percentage, you know, of our needs can be met through that type of equipment. But nowadays there's so many things at our fingertips. You can get something by tomorrow if you wanted to. And you also would be able to select 17 different options and different colors and textures and things like that for that product. And so there's just so many new things available. You know, every year I feel like there's a new neck brace that's available for people with postural weakness that are having a harder time holding their head up. 
And so I'm constantly learning and growing as a clinician as there's new products available and there's new styles of each product. And, and then also in working with patients, they're doing the research too. And I think people are not afraid to advocate for themselves. And that's something I think I'm noticing more and more as time goes on, that people are pushing and they're asking and they're telling me and their other clinicians, you know, this is not working for me. Is there anything else? And if we can't find it, they actually find it and they tell me about it. And so I I do think that we just have more available and the internet just really, really helps improve that. I share your amazement that I'm hearing at the advances in assistive technology that is available. Uh, And I know a lot of work is being done to make sure that there are no geographic or socioeconomic disparities in terms of accessing those. But Dr. Terrell, I'm curious, as far as we've come, what do you see as some of the gaps that need to be filled or some of the progress that you'd like to see made in the next five years 10 years to make sure that it is even easier than it is today to kind of manage some of these mobility challenges? This is a really tough one to sum up because there's just so much, there's so many gaps. You know, I think even something as a overreaching as a sooner diagnosis, you know, that's a different topic for a different um, discussion. But also, like you mentioned, the socioeconomic disparities, and this is an expensive um, journey to live through. And there really can be a lot of financial burden with this. And just having the funding available to help people live with this disease and thrive with this disease while they're on this journey. I think, unfortunately, sometimes we're limited by our health insurance um, in many ways. I think health insurance does really great things for us. But I think, you know, if your copay is 20% for a custom wheelchair, that's still a lot of money. Um, and, and having some assistance there would be really incredible. But it's like, where does that money come from? Additionally, people that are, um, let's say somebody has a fall and they're injured and they go to the hospital. And then when they come home from the hospital, they have a home physical therapist come to their home to get them to their pre-fall and pre-hospitalization baseline. But then after that, they're discharged from home PT because that's essentially what that course of care is supposed to achieve is to get them to their baseline. But what about the people that need some home physical therapy to work on uh, mobility in their hips and in their shoulders? And that's not something that your insurance is going to cover as a skilled therapy. And so there's a huge care gap there where that's something that we can, you know, train the the spouse or the caregiver or the family member to be able to provide some of those hands-on therapies. But it would be nice to have some form of a, an intermediate option for care. Well, like, like with so many things in life, Dr. Terrell, it sounds like we've come a long way and we have a long way to go. I mentioned at the top that you participated with the association on a series of videos talking about mobility challenges. Uh, what was your takeaway from that experience, participating, talking with uh, people who are going through this journey and hearing from them about what some of their needs are? I'm just curious to know uh, what you come away from it with. That experience was incredible, you know, getting to know this gentleman and having this conversation with him and the fact that he was willing to, you know, ask me these questions and share this with everyone. It's just such an important, I think, window into your relationship, really, that you'll have with your clinicians if you are attending a, an ALS clinic or if you're meeting with clinicians that, that are assisting with, with this kind of a specialty. 
And I think that it's important to see that that relationship is going to be a huge support along this journey. It was a truly amazing video, and folks can check that out at ALS.org. Dr. Terrell, really appreciate your time this week. Any closing thoughts before I let you go back to the truly important work that you are doing? I just really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. And I think, you know, that you guys are doing such an important piece of this work. And I I just really appreciate you. Well, Dr. Terrell, we we appreciate your time this evening and uh, look forward to talking to you again. You've, You've been on twice, so clearly we know we can beg and plead and you may come back and talk to us again. I'll see if I can find the time. Well, I want to thank my guest this week, Dr. Shannon Terrell. We'll share a link in the show notes to the video series that I mentioned earlier. And be sure to check out the ALS Association's blog at als.org for features throughout the month on mobility challenges. If you like this episode, tell a friend. And while you're at it, find time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. Post-production by Garrett Tiedemann. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Supervised by David Hoffman. That is going to do it for this week. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll connect with you again soon.